Hello everyone and welcome back to A Dancer's Mindset with myself, Isabella. Today we're going to be speaking with Miko Fogarty. Now Miko has achieved so much in her life. You may know her from First Position, the documentary, where she was acclaimed to fame, as well as the many YouTube videos where she's competing at the Moscow Ballet Competition, where she won gold. Miko has really achieved a lot. She then went on to Birmingham Royal Ballet. But then something wasn't right. Miko decided to quit ballet and went on to study and is still studying to become probably a very successful foot and ankle surgeon. Some of you may have been surprised by her decision to stop ballet and today's our chance to hear from her and hear what she has to say. So let's meet Miko. Thank you so much for coming on um, the podcast today. I know a lot of my young listeners, well, everyone, but especially the young ones, are going to be so inspired to hear from you. And as a young dancer myself, I was so inspired by you um, when I was training. And so it's really um, a bit fangirly for me to talk to you today. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's an honor. Oh. For sure. Fantastic. Um, so I want to start um, from the beginning, actually. Um, when did you start ballet and, you know, what inspired you to start? Um, you never really trained in a in a school scenario, right? Mm -hmm. um, you were one of these, um, like not in one of these well-known schools. Um, mm -hmm. So tell me a bit of how it all started. Sure. So um, I started ballet when I was four, four years old, hmm. and it just started because I was doing a lot of activities at the time, like violin, piano, tennis, and ballet just happened to be one of those activities I was doing. And, but it was my favorite out of those, because hmm. when I went to the theater, I loved watching, even like the Marinsky came. Um, to to where I live in California and I was really inspired so I really wanted to become a ballet dancer at the time just from watching the performances mm -hmm. and so I continued training yeah I trained mostly in like not not large company associated schools but with like more like private coaches um, throughout my time training and so that started in California and then when I was about 15, I went to Japan for a little bit and trained there. And then I went to Indiana, also in the US, for about two years. And then um, and then I and then I went to Birmingham Royal Ballet. So yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> would you agree? Because obviously, who was your who was your main coach, would you say, um, throughout your time when you were training? um so up until I was, I think starting at 11, I had a Russian coach from 11 to 15 that trained at Vaganova. Um, his name was Victor Kabaniaev. And then from 15... Yeah, was this the coach that was featured in the documentary? Yeah, yeah, it was the same coach that was featured in first position. And then when I was 15, I I went to Japan with... Uh, her name is Jinushi Kaoru. And she also trained Fumi Kanako and uh, Misa Kuranaga. And she was a great teacher. And then um, and then in Indiana, I had three Russian teachers, coaches there, Tatiana Pali, um, Alexei Moskalenko, and then um, Aliona Yakovleva. So Amazing. those were my coaches. So you focused a lot on um, private coaches more than, say, you know, obviously there could have been a decision for you to go to an actual school. But did yeah. you... Was it, a, was it a specific decision to focus just with private coaches? Um, I wouldn't say it was like a specific decision. I guess I just realized that I worked really, really well with these certain coaches. Oh, and I wasn't like, I think my family and I weren't sure that I would be as comfortable like in a big school or that the I would um, just work so well with the coaches there. Maybe I would have, who knows, but... I just knew I worked really, really well with the, the coaches I had. So um, so I guess that's why I continued to train in that kind of way. And I realized I was um, progressing um, quickly and improving. So, um, yeah, but I definitely did think about it, like, through these competitions. You know, there were scholarships and stuff like that that I was able to get. But, um, 
but yeah, I guess I just really love my coaches. So I guess I stuck with, with that. Of course you, you know, um, we'll, we'll get to it throughout the conversation, but you succeeded a lot having not gone to like some big school. So mm -hmm. would you, would you agree and say it's not necessarily about going to these massive schools? It's more about who the teacher is. Um, sure. I think yes and no, because I do think that going to these company associated schools do does get you certain opportunities that, you know, these private coaches cannot get you such as, um, you know, the connections of having the company right there, like being able to watch the company anytime. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the networking is a little bit better in a large school. Um, but like, it does definitely depend if it if it's in terms of your technique and artistry I think that really depends on you and your connection with your coach yeah. um, but in terms of like the networking aspect I would probably say that um, a larger school a larger school is probably better for that yeah I agree I agree um, one thing I enjoyed about the Veganova was there was sort of a balance between those two things so mm -hmm. I'm like the Royal Ballet School where it was very much like teacher of the class goes home and that's it see you next day there wasn't that relationship but the the coach at these the Vaganova was very much like it felt like a coach you know yeah. I really enjoyed the kind of relationship where it's almost like um a tennis player you know like you feel really like looked after like you know I'm your person and you obviously had that as well with all the people mm -hmm. you worked with um mm -hmm. so at, at one point during your training your you or and your family decided for you to be homeschooled to mm -hmm. give more priority even more priority to yeah. ballet did yeah. you feel isolated and you know lonely at all was it hard to find motivation being alone so young yeah I mean I yeah so when I was about 12 years old that's when I switched to online school so it was all online kind of like how people how students had it during covid where all of their school was um yeah online so that's how it was starting when i was 12. i definitely missed school because i i liked school growing up i was one of the people that enjoyed you know going to class seeing my teachers so i definitely missed that aspect um but i knew that you know it was like an investment towards like my ballet training and um and so I, I don't know, I don't know, I wouldn't say I was like lonely or anything like that because there was still lots of people. So but probably. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there were still so many people in ballet and although I was like privately trained, I also took classes with um, the school that that teacher taught at. So, you know, up until right. 4 p.m. I would do like um, classes and privates, but then after that I would take the normal classes with the regular, the school I was with. So it's not that I, I guess I didn't feel lonely I would say during that like I'm still worked for me and my schedule but um but yeah there's definitely pros and pros and cons to that as well yeah. um I read I'm glad that I finished high school for sure <laughs> I read somewhere that um because of your full-time ballet training you were still super well very young and doing your homework at like 3 a.m yeah you know and that's like pretty heavy schedule for someone so young um did you feel close to burning out at any point and yeah for you know, sure <laughs> for sure um, yeah so um yeah that definitely happened where I think I was like 13 or 14 and it was like non-stop ballet for like six months I don't think I took like one day off wow. and then at the same time I think yeah ballet class starts at like 10 a.m and then went until like 6 30 or 7 and then after that is when I would start um, my online school and I had a full load just like other kids my age yeah. um so then I would yeah and then I didn't feel satisfied until I got everything done each day yeah um, so then I you know I would study till like 2 2 a.m or 3 a.m wow. sometimes and then I'd have to wake up at 8 or 9 a.m the next morning and then just that for six months I just wasn't getting enough sleep as a teenager at the time and so sleep is super important um and so yeah and then I did feel burnt out where I, I felt um, like my motivation was gone and I was like on the brink of tears with every private it was just horrible um, and then 
I'm like, why am I even doing ballet? All of these thoughts, you know, when you're burnt out. Yeah, and, from the exhaustion. Yeah, just from being exhausted, just even just not sleeping enough and 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 just going through like teenager feelings too, you know. So yeah. Um, but you know, I took a I took a break for it was not that long, like four days, I think, where my dad and I went camping. Um, and that and after that I felt myself again. It was I was a lot better once I took a break. So breaks are important too, for sure. Oh, yes. So um even from watching, I mean we're gonna talk about first position in a minute, but from myself watching, you know, I I noticed just like a lot of parents, your mother in particular, um, was very involved you know, mm -hmm. in your life and yeah. um, support, obviously supported you a lot and um, would drive you hours to all these lessons like these mums do. Mm -hmm. Did you feel, I'm quite interested to know though, you know, did you feel at any point like, um, especially with um, maybe um, your isolation a little bit and any pressure with food, you know, did you ever mm -hmm. feel a little bit pushed beyond what you wanted to do from your mum or was it completely uh... supportive? It was a little bit of both, definitely. I think I felt very, very supported, but also like I, I was pushed, you know, to do my best and to stretch when I got home and um, to eat very healthy. And so it was definitely not only my um, my workload, but also my mom's work, uh, my family's workload, too, especially my mom. Yeah. And so, yeah, definitely came from both of us for sure. Which I don't know if it's like a good thing, um, or impact your relationship at all. Um, I think it. I mean, it. We. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> <for sure. laughs> like you know, like when you know we, when we were both stressed before like an international ballet competition, you know, it'd be easy to snap at each other or something like that. But um, overall, I think I got to um work with her pretty well we got to know each other pretty well through the whole process and yeah learn how to work with each other um but actually nowadays like our our relationship is like completely different now in a good way so yeah yeah so I mean I always admire um like kids actually who allow their mums to because I I know I I have students myself and their mums yeah. are very involved and <laughs> I know it's coming from a place of a lot of love, a lot of care, a lot of just desire to help their child succeed. Mm -hmm. um, however, I know also the pressure that can put on that young person because mm -hmm. um, they want to, you know, achieve the dream that not so, not only is theirs but also obviously um, the yeah. parents. And I wonder how that, you know, would impact them. But for me personally, I never, I could never let my mum like push me to do anything it would yeah. all, all have to come from me if she tried mm. to make me do anything I'd be like go away no oh. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she, but um so I kind of um admire kids actually for letting their parents be so involved because mm -hmm. I definitely couldn't do it mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah. but let's <laughs> Yeah, it's not easy. No, definitely. Mm -hmm. But without these amazing mums, we wouldn't be uh, where we are today. And we definitely wouldn't have, have, have achieved what we did. Um, yeah. Let's talk about first position. Um, so around the time of competing um, in YGP or leading up to it, mm -hmm. correct? Um, first position came up and uh, director Bess Cogman, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, tell us um, how that happened like how it came up in the first place yeah um so what happened actually was that um I think it was filmed in 2010 um but the year of 2010 um preparing for YGP but in 20 2009 um Bess actually was a journalist I believe in New York City not like a filmmaker or anything and I happened to be performing in the YGP finals in New York um, I just did a, I think I just did like one contemporary solo and that was it um, because I was in the pre-competitive category and at the time we could only perform like one thing. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, I, I am just so lucky that the moment that she like was like, whoa, there's all these like little ballerinas coming out of this building and she used to be like, she used to do some ballet. 
So she was interested and she walked in and then she walked into the theater. And then um, I'm just so lucky at the time that she sat down was when I came on um, when I was 11 onto the stage and performed my contemporary solo. And um, I guess it, I, I don't know, it feels weird coming from like saying this, but this is what she said. It was that like it inspired her to kind of get to know the lives of these like dancers preparing for this kind of competition. Yeah. And to make like a film out of that. And so apparently, like, I, I get it, it feels so weird saying this, but she had like scrolled through the photos to like find me. Yes. Um, and then um and then cast. You inspired her. I don't know. I guess so. That's like what she says. Um, no, <laughs> it feels so weird to say it. It feels so weird to say it, but, um, but yeah. And then she found that I had a brother, um, through through like the photos as well. So she contacted my mom. Um, I think she contacted YGP to find my mom's email, and then asked if we would like to be a part of this small film she was thinking of making. Oh, <laughs> well, we literally thought it would not like it would just be a home video honestly like we did not have expectations for it because she's like never made anything like like no. that before and um you know some people told us like maybe it's not a good idea to be a part of it you don't know how they'll portray you mm -hmm. all of that but we just went with it and then but how she found the other dancers is that um I think she contacted YGP and they kind of provided her a list of like up and coming um, dancers um, that are going to be competing that they're having their eye on so I think she followed some of those dancers too and I think she started with like 10, 10 featured dancers that she followed but in the end I think six six mm. were like once featured um, so again I was just like incredibly lucky and to be a part of the film yes and it was just a great opportunity for me I'd say did you like the idea of having a film crew sort of being around you at probably one of the most stressful times of your um, life? You know, I, don't, I don't mind it, I would say. I mean, it started off so small. It was just her and her camera just coming to the studio right. and just being like, just like this. And, you know, it's, it is a little bit strange at first. You're like, am I, <laughs> am I supposed to look at her or... <laughs> No, we're not supposed to look. Um, we're just supposed to continue with our lives like normal. And then it wasn't yeah. that much. It was just like she came like a weekend here. And then, you know, um, the regional YGP competition, she came for that weekend. And then maybe with like one other film person. And then, but then YGP New York finals was where there was like 10, 10 like camera people and 10 sound people. It was like a huge production by the time it got to New York finals um but by that time I had also gotten used to kind of ignoring the camera and focusing on myself and yeah. wanting to perform my best and so it really didn't affect me too much um and also by that point I think she knew that a lot of dancers and a lot of parents and a lot of teachers didn't want like the film crew to be too intense right before the dancers danced so yeah. she was at least with me she was quite respectful in terms of help like letting me do my thing before performing mm -hmm. um, and then after performing you know doing the interviews and stuff like that so um yeah it, it was it was not too bad in terms of that but I know like other featured um featured people in that movie were more um yeah. like like more protective I guess I see. Um, mm -hmm. of their space which makes sense too yeah well it was an honestly an amazing film and she did uh yeah, um, an amazing job. I think it's quite iconic, actually. And I think, oh. yeah, I think that film's going to be watched again and again and again, like generation mm -hmm. after generation. Everybody watched oh. First Position. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> that is just crazy. <laughs> I thought um, you're the best person to ask this because mm -hmm. competitions were a heavy part of your training and, you know, your ballet life. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of controversy around competitions like whether, sure. whether they're a good thing whether they're a bad thing mm -hmm. and um, I've spoken to some other dancers and they say you know although um, they're not always a good thing for them it was the only choice like it was the only option for them mm -hmm. to be seen, especially if they're from a smaller or poorer country you know where there is an opportunity sure. uh -huh. but I wanted to hear your opinion 
on competitions having done them yourself um like mm -hmm. you wholeheartedly enjoy them um mm -hmm. did they slightly squander your love for the art form or did they change your perspective on it tell us what you think yeah i think that's a i mean a great point of conversation and i i'm i'm too have like think that there's so many pros but also so many cons of competition um and you can really see it from so many different angles um so overall um i think competitions do provide opportunity especially if you're not in a large school um to be seen by schools and to even just gain the opportunity to perform because a lot of like smaller schools only have like one nutcracker and maybe one showcase and that's it you don't really ever perform like a solo and you know competition is a great um experience for that um but also there's many cons you know it is a competition and it i like there's just so much so many politics involved with every competition i don't think there's like one ballet competition out there that doesn't have like at least a little bit of politics involved especially <laughs> because ballet is just so subjective yeah and um it's not like an objective kind of thing like running a race where whoever reaches the finish line first mm -hmm. wins it's like so subjective and it's not even like based on you know how many pirouettes you do or how high your leg is it's not like based on that either no. so it's like i don't know how how it's even really judged i know i often think how is that even possible like how do you judge yeah. a key tree to a giselle yeah yeah completely point that? <laughs> so i so yeah it's kind of in terms of like the judging systems and the points and the awards all of that it's like i always tell students my students and other students like to never do it for like for um for a medal or anything like that because you're just gonna it's, it's not gonna go well yeah <laughs> like, ever, ever um unless you like happen to win like gold or whatever <clears throat> but just the opportunity to show off like the all the hard work you've put in in the studio and i think the best part of the competition is the preparation for a competition so working with your coach and working on your artistry working on your technique working on performing you know putting on a costume and performing in a costume all of that is just really great experience um, and great for improvement too so I think the lead up to a competition is really where you gain the most yes um, and you know just the experience of you know having to perform is can be daunting and can be scary did you get um, exciting did you get nervous when you were performing um I definitely got nervous for my turns for sure <laughs> <laughs> um because I was I was like a pretty consistent turner, but my coaches definitely pushed me to do um, turns for sure. And you were slightly known for your turns, Miko. <laughs> I think, you know, you were known as, yes, Miko Fogarty can turn extremely well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like my definitely like I felt the pressure there for sure. So I, I definitely um, got nervous because turns are like the one thing I felt like I was I felt like I was the least consistent with like jumps everything else is like fine but like triple pirouette even I'm just like oh my god am I gonna be able to do that on stage um and so I think I got nervous for turns or like fuetes and stuff like that but other than that I didn't get too nervous um it wasn't like a pleasant experience I would say going to competition like I would I would make myself nervous though because um, I performed better when I was nervous, actually, um, which was interesting for me. Like, I realized that by the time I was like 15 or 16, where, you know, if I got into the final round of these massive competitions, I would actually like relax and then I would never perform well in the final round. So I realized that, you know, by the time I was 16 and I was like, wow, I need to stay focused. I need to stay like um, a little bit nervous so that yeah. I can actually perform well in the final round. Um, so tell, I did us, that. tell us a little bit about your Moscow ballet competition experience, mm -hmm. because obviously that's like the ballet Olympics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. you achieved a lot in that competition. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, like you would know, like ballet is huge in Russia and um, yeah, absolutely. And how did that feel going to 
Moscow. Oh my gosh. It was like, <laughs> well, actually when I got to, well, I'll, I'll start with the preparation for yeah. Moscow. So um, I started preparing maybe like three, well, I've been doing these solos like since I was, I don't know, 12 or 13 and I was 16 then there then. So I have had like a few years preparing these comp- uh, these solos. Yes. Um, but still like the preparation going into that competition was definitely one of the most intense where I was dancing, yeah, like six or seven hours, like every day. Mm-hmm. I think I would warm up and do my own class, like maybe for three hours. And then I would have a two hour private. And then later on, I would have like two or three more hours of just like regular class with the school. So it was like so intense going into it. And I was definitely tired, but mm. I was still very inspired. And, you know, I wanted to just perfect everything, like from like with my fingertips to my eyelashes, like everything was like yeah. perfected um, with my three coaches in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And um, so so we we fly to Moscow and actually like my luggage gets lost. Brilliant. So basically all we have is like my costumes and my point shoes. And that's um, what you need. <laughs> I know that's like literally all we had and like the clothes we're wearing on the flight. Um, so, but thankfully I think I was like, I only really needed to dance on stage like six days after we arrived. So by the time like I performed, it was like that morning that we actually got our luggage because I was so lucky to go with one of my coaches um, who's from Moscow from Moscow, and he speaks Russian. So he was able to like call people and figure out where our luggage was and all of that. So helpful to have a Russian coach there. Um, and so, yeah, I, it was, I mean, it was just amazing to be in Russia and, um, and to see all the other competitors <clears throat> and being so inspired to dance on like the Bolshoi like theater stage especially the final round final round was like the historic stage with a live orchestra like that is like not something you experience at any other competitions like you never dance with a live orchestra um on like on the Bolshoi stage like or a stage like that anywhere else so it was just such a unique experience and And the stage is is also sloped yeah it's yeah so I I think like the six days leading up to the first round, I was getting used to that. And by the time the first round came along, I was pretty used to it, I would say. And I actually like by the end of my two weeks and or two or three weeks in Moscow, I actually preferred the rake state for some reason. (laughs) I don't know why, like I just preferred it. Um, And yeah, and then that is the time where I was about to dance in the final round or I got into the final round, which was like, so so what a like what an honor to be in the final round um and, did you expect that to happen um I, I mean I didn't expect it but I hoped for it for sure um and I knew I danced well in the second round like I did my black swan variation I did the kita and it, they both went like well um and those were like my two like hardest like technically um variations that I had to perform so I was really happy when that was over but I knew from like my past experiences at like Prilazan, Varna, YGP that my final round was always my worst round. So I was like, I can't let this happen again. So when I got into the finals, I was like, okay, I need to stay focused. Like tomorrow might be like the worst day if I like don't perform well and I might not perform well. So I need to keep myself nervous. Like it was like a whole, a whole mind game that I was (laughs) like, I was making myself feel like more nervous and more focused um so yeah um I and then yeah I think the final round was pretty early in the morning it was like 10 or 11 a.m and we were done by like noon um and then so we get lunch um I'm just so I think right after I performed I was like happy because I told my mom like even if I don't win anything that's fine because I know I like put my best foot forward I danced my best which I've actually never done in like any of the other competitions all, I think I performed like seven seven solos or six solos it's a lot to prepare and having to perform all of those and I did them all well that was like so rare for me so I just told my mom I was like even if I don't get anything like any like medals or anything I know I danced my best and I'm just happy after this so 
I was happy. I danced well. Um, and, and yeah, we get lunch. And then after, like during lunch, my coach gets a call, like, or maybe I think it was with Larissa, who's like the YGB director, but someone gets a call, like, oh, can Miko come back to the stage at 1, 1 PM? And we're like, okay. So after lunch, <laughs> we go back to the theater and me and a few other competitors are just hanging around on stage, like what is happening? And then just like in our normal clothes. And then someone like someone from the competition comes on stage and he's like, here's the results. Number one goes to Miko. Number two goes to whoever, number three. And we were like, wait, what? <laughs> like it was so unofficial at first. And That's was amazing. Like, wait, wait, did this really just happen? Um, so it was definitely an, an, an incredible experience. And I'm just glad that you know, us international people got awarded too, because I think a gold, silver, and bronze also went to Russian, um, yes. Russian girls. So um, I'm just glad that they didn't just stop it at that, but they gave awards to international people too, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. It was like one of my best experiences for sure in terms of like my ballet career. Yeah, I would say also what an achievement as as well, winning first, and you're not Russian. Like, mm -hmm. I think, you know, the Russians are very political. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> to achieve that is big. <laughs> so well yeah, done. I like, I've heard like rumors, like the mafia is involved and stuff. Like, I don't know anything, but all I just wanted to do was <laughs> do my variation well. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to do my variations well and that was it. And like, and the, and the judges were like Yuliana Lopatkina, who was like the person oh it was like the person I based my Paquita off of like her video her yeah. style was like my she was like my icon for for that yeah. version and for everything but especially for that and so when I realized like the day before that I was like going to be performing that variation in front of her I was like oh my gosh like how am I going to do this so I just watched her variation like a thousand times like the day before I performed it and just trying to absorb amazing Kina and there was other amazing judges like Zaharova was on the judging panel and a lot of other people incredible, too incredible what an amazing opportunity to be exposed to that um and you know I've, I've seen and read somewhere before that you you know despite all this going on you somehow enjoyed well like you just mentioned you enjoyed much more the process more than the actual performing Mm -hmm. and yeah. you know I've I've heard you discuss before that often you know people go on stage and they feel this like euphoric euphoric feeling mm -hmm. and you, know, you were somehow missing that mm -hmm. and were you were you already feeling these feelings as you were as you were doing these competitions and doing very well mm -hmm. were you were you enjoying it or were you just kind of you know um yeah. going through the motions somewhat yeah, I wouldn't say I like enjoyed being on stage. Like I thought I would because I loved watching people yeah. on stage. Like anytime I would watch theater and even to this day, I just like feel so happy. And then, so I always thought growing up, like I would feel this feeling as well, performing on stage or maybe even better. Um, but at first I thought it was because I was competing that I was feeling this pressure and I wasn't, um, you know, feeling this, I guess, joy that people feel being on stage. Um, and I was like, all I was looking forward to was like the after dinner, like the dinner afterwards was like my main focus, like my main point of joy, I would say. It was like, you know, like after galas and stuff, they have dinners and stuff like that. So uh, that's all I was looking forward to. I was like, I just want to get this done over with, like do my fuertes and just go to, go to dinner. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess, yeah, like, especially with competing, I, I thought, you know, I have these pirouettes I need to do, so that's why I'm nervous, and I need to be nervous to dance well, so I wouldn't say, like, I particularly enjoyed performing. I think there was only, like, two instances, like, in my whole performing career that I actually felt, like, joy on stage. Yeah. Um, and one of them was um, dancing to the Nutcracker, like, Sugar Plum Potida, like the music for that is just like the Adagio music is just amazing. So there's one moment, I think I was like 14 performing that and 
the music was just beautiful. Mm -hmm. So that was one moment. And then also I think YGP finals, like the day, the year that I did first position, the Kitri solo, mm -hmm. um, I danced in the final round and it went well. And there was like a huge roar from the crowd. And that was also a moment that was like, wow. But those are like the two moments only. So, um, but other than that, I was like pretty nervous. It was not necessarily like a a joyful experience for me being on stage. Yeah, I think you know it's really interesting to hear that because I often reflect um, back to how I was feeling because obviously you know there came a point even for me where there was just something not not quite right. And it really mm -hmm. freaked me out for a while because I was like, I just don't understand how I'm feeling really. Um, yeah. because, you know, you train so hard. And I, I resonated with you a lot, actually, because I I loved the, the hard work mm -hmm. and I became quite addicted to mm -hmm. becoming perfect at something or like trying really hard to achieve something. And I just loved the work ethic. I loved being, you know, seen as one of the best ones, like working towards that. But then when it came to actually performing, mm. I like was like so nervous and I almost had probably a lot of imposter syndrome going on and lack mm. of belief in myself, but I did not enjoy it really. Mm. At all. I probably enjoyed it like you say once or twice. Um, <laughs> and I was often thinking, just, just get through it. <laughs> but, um, you know, so would you say you agree with that as well like did you did you love sort of more the you know the work and also would you admit that you're a bit of a perfectionist with with the work as well yeah I would say um I mean I enjoyed the work but it was also going through the motions a lot for me too yeah um, yeah but I thought I think I did push myself a lot yes um, and by the way I have to say I've like seen your videos and everything from from when I was like 14 like because oh, wow. I was, like I think I was 13 or 14 and I was thinking of going to the international program at Boganova at the time um so I like saw your photos and I was so inspired but just wanted to let you know the best mates <laughs> yeah I was like oh my gosh like I want to be just like her so I definitely looked up to you a lot um oh, but then, actually when I applied to Boganova I think I was like 13 or 14 they were like you're still too young so whatever <laughs> um for like the international program but anyway um but yeah I guess I I definitely pushed myself a lot during class um and rehearsals and I think also you know my parents and my teachers expected a lot of me so I couldn't really slack off ever yeah. um otherwise yeah. you know they'd notice and they'd tell me or whatever so hmm. um but I mean I I, I guess but I wouldn't say I, I enjoyed it probably as much as you in terms of like enjoying the the work I did enjoy it but I don't know I thought it was like for like for the enjoyment of being on stage but then I didn't get that either so then no no yeah I mean as well <laughs> as well I was focusing so much on the end goal of like sure. being the principal dancer on stage you know but then mm -hmm. it would come like having an opportunity like that and mm -hmm. I'd like no I don't I don't think I actually want this in a yeah. way but I couldn't really compute and understand that feeling at all I was just sure. like oh, I'm inexperienced I'm just nervous yeah, yeah. um it's a, definitely like a whole psychology to it for sure I think yeah and I wonder now like part of the reason why I do this podcast as well mm -hmm. is to help young people because I wonder had I had maybe a bit more mental support with mm -hmm. this whole thing possibly things I would have been able to cope better with like mm -hmm. whatever was going on you know so it's part of the reason um I do this but I definitely resonated with you when I read this about mm -hmm. you um so you know let's fast forward a little bit so fast forward and you get your contract mm -hmm. with Birmingham Royal Ballet and first of all how did you feel when you know your dream has come true of getting you know into a professional company and yeah. I guess also you were returning to your English roots because you were born yeah. in London right well, yeah I was <laughs> yeah so how did that um you know feel initially you know what was your yeah. reaction I know I mean I was like definitely looking at uh companies in England and Europe because I had a British passport and I actually didn't even have an American passport until afterwards 
Um, so yeah, when I, I think Birmingham Royal was my first audition and I know afterwards I talked to Mr. Bentley at the time, who was the director mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, that day, like he offered me the contract. And so, um, I was like, so I was like, wow, wait, that's it. Like, it was just like one <laughs> class, you know? So I was like, wow, all of this has been leading just to that. Um, but, um, yeah, I was really excited um, to go back to England and, um, you know, get my apartment and start with a company. And I have to say, like, the company was, like, really nice. Like, everyone there, I only have great things to say about the people in the company. I think a lot of people have changed, like, at least in the core. Like, I don't recognize anybody in the core anymore. But at the time, everyone was so, so nice and so welcoming and um and company company life was like different but also um it was it was like it's kind of what I expected from a company you know where you're rehearsing a little bit less but performing a bit more and Birmingham Royal is a touring company so we toured a lot like throughout the UK and um yeah we did so many shows of Swan Lake and where I was in the core and um that that was was that hard for you to process Miko because I think um I've noticed a lot with dancers who let's say have done really well in their youth and done really well either at a big school or competition sometimes Mm -hmm. then going into a company and going into the core and having Mm -hmm. to be one of the pack for a Mm -hmm. while um it's very difficult for them like mentally to cope with and was that anything you struggled with did you struggle with that I would say I know like that's definitely something people say and that could be true but for me that wasn't the case for sure like I knew you know to be a part of a company you start from the bottom and that's you usually have to stay there for a few years so I was very you know I was actually okay with you know being the core and doing swans and it was like the first time where I didn't feel like I had to like like really pressure myself to like, you know, do my technique like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could just, um, you know, just be a part of the core. And I, and it, I didn't mind that at all. Like I knew yeah. that was the process and that's what I expected. Um, and I didn't, that was not something. If I, maybe if I was with the core for like seven years and nothing was yeah. happening, <laughs> then maybe, you know, then maybe I would start feeling something in terms of like, doing more soloist roles but that wasn't the case for me I was only with the company for one year so yeah um, so I didn't not like I didn't expect that at all in my first season like I knew that's not reasonable I know that's not realistic yeah um did you make some people where they get like more soloist roles or something if the director really likes you but in reality it's usually not like that so I didn't expect that at all and just knew that I was going to be in the court for sure um starting did you miss your coaches at all was it hard to be and not see um, them much I guess you I guess like, to you know develop your own yeah. uh, directions motivation for sure I mean I think yeah that's definitely like a transition that a lot of people go through from like student to company as you have to kind yeah. of what like watch yourself and correct yourself starting from there like you might get corrections here there but it's a lot more rare versus being in a school or working with a coach so you have to you know you know work on yourself or either ask like another company member to watch a solo for you or watch I don't know you do something and asking for feedback but it's definitely a lot more self-driven but I guess yeah Birmingham Royal like we don't rehearse we didn't rehearse that much it was like we would only rehearse like a week or two and then and then go on tour for like six weeks or something like that so and then I think for Nutcracker we literally only had like one week to rehearse and then we just performed so it was really not that much rehearsal just like knowing your role knowing where you're going to be making sure we're all like dancing well together and then bam we're on stage so um so yeah it was definitely like uh difference but it was definitely fun like the company is just like the people in the company are just so nice and Mm -hmm. we all got along really well um so I think it's known to be like a nice company and it was like that for me so yeah um yeah I but I guess at the same time I was figuring out my own relationship with ballet and figuring out you know what what I was feeling at the time and still like 
that was the moment where I realized like performing was not giving me the joy that I thought it would because I was not competing anymore we were performing just a lot not in front of judges not with that kind of pressure but and me as just in the core you know and I still wasn't feeling like the joy I was hoping to feel being on stage and then at the same time I was dealing with some body image issues right and um, dealing with like my right foot which I had injured and I guess and also starting to become because of that becoming more interested in health and dealing with all of these um I guess yeah mental things I was going through um mm. and figuring out if ballet was still what I wanted to do um and and yeah it was it was definitely a tough year in terms of that um in terms of my relationship with ballet um and you know at the same time I was like on social media and still figuring that out and how to manage that while also having all all these conflicting feelings was was definitely tough for sure um but yeah I just want to make it clear that it was definitely not the company the company was great people were great in that company I know yeah I know it's a a nice a very nice company and it's nice to hear that from you as well because you know obviously many companies it's not always the case um for sure now, I, I, I know you said briefly about your um, body image issues, mm-hmm. and I have read somewhere before that that's sort of part of the reason as well you decided to move on from ballet because you didn't want a career based around how you looked. Yeah, for sure. Share a little bit more about um, your body image yeah. issues. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, so I think I was like starting to like from the beginning I was starting to diet even like by the time I was like 13 or 14 like restricting what I ate and um and you know there's just even to this day there's still the pressure to be like a certain body shape in ballet um and it always felt like I was like fighting against my body and um by the time I was at Birmingham Royal you know, I was living by myself and that was also a little bit more difficult in terms of that and figuring out, you know, where, like, it was just such, it was such a hard time with my body image. Like I was never, I was never happy with how I looked basically. And I was starting to feel um, tired of that feeling of never feeling happy with how I looked. And, you know, you're looking in the mirror every day and I was like, never happy. And I was like, you know, my body is doing amazing things and it's just a shame that I'm not able to you know, love it. And so I, that was kind of the mental process I was going through during that time. And it Mm. came to a point where like on top of other things and stuff, it was just like a lot of things coming together that helped me make this decision that um, I was, you know, I was tired of feeling like that I was unhappy with what I looked like. I was, Mm. you know, getting more interested in other aspects of, of life and different passions and you know I'd I'd already experienced a lot in ballet um, in terms of performing and um, and doing galas and performing all around the world like I had I had done a lot at the point so I I was more at ease like knowing that that I could try something else in life and that it would be okay yeah Um, but I guess telling people and opening up about it was definitely the hardest part for me so how did you, so you came to this decision and it makes sense, like a lot of factors are at play and you've, you've obviously been quite mature with that decision. Like you've been very aware of like how you're feeling. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to be, it's very hard, you know, cause you work so yeah. hard towards something and then you yeah, get yeah. to the point. It's supposed to be, I had the same moment actually. It's supposed to be your life and you're supposed to like, it's like I've worked so hard for this moment and then you start realizing day in day out that I'm not actually happy and you're like is this is this it like is this is this like Like, okay this isn't cool yeah yeah for sure I wonder because I had a similar situation um Mm -hmm. it's very hard to open up about these feelings because initially you're actually terrified you're having these feelings like this isn't right how did you tell your mum about this decision? Because after everything, you know, and, we, and a lot of people have seen how much she's done with the documentary and everything, yeah. you know, how did she f- cope with you telling her that? 
Yeah, I guess she could see that I was struggling um, when I was in Birmingham. So she actually came to Birmingham, I think it was like around like March of that year or something to see how I was. And I was, you know, I was definitely struggling with how I was feeling. And I could, I could, I think she saw that I was also struggling yeah. um, and figuring, trying to figure things out. But it was actually when I came back to California at some point and um you know I was talking through things with her and my dad and we were just like going on a walk yeah. and you know she's like you know if you want to pursue something else that's like okay wow and I think just hearing that from her was like really yeah. almost like the green light for me to be able to finally accept that I I can do something else um so that really was helpful and, and like overall like my parents were quite supportive of me doing something else even though you know we've all put our work into this and this is all something we invested in however like um yeah hearing that like come like come coming from her was was really really helpful for me and um especially when I was saying that I wanted to go into healthcare and I think hearing that I had another goal in mind was I think helpful for her for sure and you know it was I think it was definitely definitely like a grieving process for all of us like where you go through like literally all the stages of grief um because um it is like that when you leave ballet it's definitely like like losing someone losing something like that and like I think even like Martha Graham had a quote where it's like a dancer dies twice like once when they have to leave dance and then once when they actually die and it (laughs) definitely felt like that however like I was really scared at the time that ballet wouldn't be a part of my life at all anymore um oh my cat <laughs> um but actually you know I was able to keep ballet a part of my life to till today and forever so I'm yeah. really happy about that for sure yeah because you teach as well don't you now yeah, well. I teach now so and I still keep in contact with people in the ballet world and I still yeah. you know go to see ballet so it's still very much like a part of part of me for sure yeah. And now you're studying to be a foot and ankle surgeon. And actually, I couldn't be more excited because <laughs> I, I'm basically in love with my, not literally, but I, I love my foot and ankle surgeon. Um, I've never actually had ankle surgery, but, um, you know, I just, what's so amazing about surgeons is just how much trust you put into them. And I've trusted all the, I have had hip surgery, but I've, I've trusted all the surgeons like completely. And I think, you know, you're going to do so well in this industry because not, I think, I don't know if it's ever happened where someone has been such a successful ballerina and is now going to become a surgeon. (laughs) Probably, I mean, are you interested in like being specialized in dancers feet? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I'm, like, I, I'm, I think so. I think I'll be interested in that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure you're going to get, like, when the day comes, like, client after client of, help me, Miko. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> but it's amazing. Tell us about um, how it's going and, and yeah. how, how you're enjoying it's, it. Yeah, I mean, um, so right now, so to become a, an ankle surgeon in the U.S., you have to finish um, college, like, undergraduate program. And then after that, you go through four more years of uh, medical school. And then after that, you have like three more years of what they call residency, which is more training in the hospital. Um, So so right now I have finished my undergraduate degree in biology. And now I'm in my second year um, in uh, podiatry, podiatry, like medical school. And um, it's going well, like it's a lot of studying for sure. But I think the second year we're finally um, able to see patients. So now I'm starting to see patients and I just gave my first like injection to a patient the other day um, to remove a toenail. And I don't know, it's quite exciting. And we're learning more about surgery. We start, we have our podiatric surgery course now. And, um, and it's more, it's definitely like more exciting as the years go by, because, mm-hmm. you know, in college, you have to learn all the basics, like general chemistry, organic chemistry, like physics, like you have to go through all of those courses to even get into like, 
uh, medical school. And then from medical school, you start to, first year is still pretty basic sciences like biochem biochemistry and physiology. And as much as I love the basic sciences, like the clinical sciences are more exciting to me. So um, we're starting to learn more of that. And that's like quite exciting. And yeah, I still don't know, like there's a lot of interesting, um, I guess, specialties within foot and ankle. Yeah. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what I would want to specialize in, but I mean, it would be really, really like an honor to work with dancers and athletes. And so that is definitely something I'm thinking about. Yes. Uh, and, you know, as a dancer, I would definitely um, prefer having a doctor that used to dance or at least understands dance. Yeah, I know um, I would. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So, you know, I feel like dancers like prefer to go through like conservative measures first, like and to not have surgery first, just to figure out if there's some some way um, to to recover from their injuries or whatever's happening um, conservatively. I mean, that's even what I did with my own injury. I think when I broke my second metatarsal in my right foot, um, at first, like the one of the surgeons was like, yeah, we'll just have surgery, put a screw in it. Um, but then when I got a second opinion from another surgeon, she was like, you know, your bone's perfectly aligned and there really isn't a reason to put a screw in it because it's like healing fine and you're young and healthy, like it'll be fine. And it was fine. Um, it did heal perfectly fine. So I think as a dancer or as a former dancer, I'll like understand that, but also, you know, um, be able to understand when this happened like why like maybe you fell from like a certain jump like I'd be able to understand those terms a lot better having been a ballet dancer so um I mean it would definitely be an honor to work with dancers for sure no it's very very exciting and yeah I think every dancer will be heading your way when that time <laughs> um, it's very very interesting mm -hmm. uh I'm interested to know how you're like coping now um just physically because even even for me like I'm not dancing as much every day like I'm focusing a lot on other things like my business and other yeah, students yeah. like how do you um you know how you cope because obviously you're studying a lot and your yeah. life changed like completely from like dancing yeah. like eight hours a day to like now sitting in a chair studying for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so, um, how like are you doing do you still do any kind of you know exercise like you know can you find joy in in some exercise or you know what yeah, are you doing now yeah. for yourself yeah um you're completely right when you say like we are studying a lot sitting a lot um thankfully like, like this year because of covid like we actually get to go to classes in person so at least we're not stuck at home all day but we get to go to school um so that's much better actually i prefer having to go somewhere um but yeah i mean i love stretching still like i still stretch because it just feels good to me to stretch it out and um yeah when i feel like i've been too sedentary then i definitely try to do some workout classes and um, work out with my friends and um, and yeah I me and my family like we go on walks a lot so I definitely try to stay somewhat active but it can definitely get hard when 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 school like gets so busy yeah but I think you know physical health plays a big role in mental health and Absolutely. so um, it's important you know to stay physically healthy and um, continue to eat like nutritious foods get sleep yeah. Um, exercise when you can and um, you know to try to prioritize that when you can for sure like, I know it does get hard when you get extremely busy um, but I try I try my best for sure <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and um, before we we've got a couple of questions left um, mm -hmm. you do a lot of teaching now or when you can right in your in your breaks and things and is that something you enjoy like do you do you like teaching oh yeah 100 percent. it's like I I definitely enjoy teaching more than I liked dancing for sure yeah um, I think like I was the body that I had for ballet was like quite difficult to to dance with or to deal with um you know I didn't have like archy feet I didn't have like the best turnout um I was like somewhat flexible 
Um, but, you know, I had to really work hard to figure out how to dance in a way that looked good with my body type. And so through that process, I learned a lot and I, I want to, you know, help other dancers and like the next generation to dance really well, but also, you know, with dance with artistry too. So, um, so yeah, just passing on the knowledge that I gained from my own like Russian coaches and yeah. Maybe, maybe, you know, part of what your destiny is like is actually, I feel like you're happiest when you're helping other people. So mm -hmm. like when you're teaching, but also the whole studying to become a surgeon thing, like that's literally like saving people. And I think that's where, even though you were really good at being the ballerina and mm -hmm. achieving a lot with that, you gain most of your happiness from helping others yeah I think that's like a perfect way to say it like I think you put it into better words than I've ever put it into words <laughs> but yeah I like that's exactly how I feel like I don't prefer to be in the spotlight I would say like but even like backstage I prefer to be backstage a lot more than being on stage and um yeah. helping others gain um you know what they their goals yeah. helping others with their goals is something um that gives me joy yeah um, so yeah I think that's kind of I'm I'm so thankful for the experiences I've had and um growing up but this is definitely what I prefer doing for sure yeah, yeah. it's amazing often that comes from childhood actually like these traits mm -hmm. almost like a caregiver but mm -hmm. potentially it's not kind of highlighted enough for us to take notice of it until mm -hmm. much later but I think mm -hmm. now that's very clear to you who you are and what you want to do and no, it's really fantastic. I have um, one question from um, a follower of mine, but I, I've had this question a lot and I thought okay. I'm going to save the answer to ask Miko this. Because okay, okay. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's literally about time management. Okay, yeah. Because you used to obviously train a lot, study a lot, and mm -hmm. a lot of um, the dancers who come to me, they're not in full-time school. Um, in terms of ballet school so they they're in full-time academic school and they're right. desperately trying to train around mm -hmm. it and they mm -hmm. often like, how can I actually fit this in because I've got homework to do and this 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 so what yeah. would you say are any major tips that could help them out yeah yeah um I know it can definitely be a struggle like with that because especially with people that go to full-time school and want to do um, ballet as well it's definitely takes a lot of time out of your day but it's it's definitely possible um so I would say you know working with your school administrators and your ballet administrators and figuring out a schedule that works for you like a lot of schools actually allow some students to you know not have to take physical education or not have to take a certain class because they know that you're getting educated anyway later on in the day so they let you like leave class or leave school a little bit early to focus on ballet um but if you're not able to do that I would say prior prioritizing your time depending on what is coming up so if you have like a ballet performance coming up you know spending a little bit more of your day in the studio you know rehearsing for your uh, performances but then also if you have an exam for school coming up, you know, um, prioritizing your time for that. And so just prioritizing like what you wanna be doing in your life at the moment. But there are definitely programs and colleges that offer, you know, a dance, a dance major, but also other completely other majors too, that if you wanna go to college, but still dance, there's that opportunity there to double major. Um, and I know like, I think, do you, you know, Dr. Merritt, um, yes she's a yeah. best friend of mine yes yes oh my she's like perfect person to ask this too because I asked her as well <laughs> I think she was saying how like she does that where it's like when she has a performance coming up she spends like 80 percent of her time preparing for the performance and 20 percent of her time working on her like science science and then opposite if she has like a big conference or a presentation or some project that she's working on for her scientific research she does 80% of her time on that and 20% of her time in ballet so um, that's one way to go about it um, 
yeah yeah just see where your priorities are mm -hmm. in the moment like for me right now my priority is definitely school yeah so making sure I have enough time for that and then there's going to be off times too so during my time off um I I try to schedule in some ballet for sure yeah so yeah that's how that's how I manage that yeah I always like to um talk about as well like uh, the little moments so mm -hmm. for example you know if someone wants to improve their feet and Merit's mm -hmm. talked about this as well it's like you know you're on the bus like there's an opportunity let's do our metatarsals while we're sitting on the bus do you know yeah. <laughs> or Definitely. you know or, the, or there's there's sort of always time to be used you know yeah the often where you're just sitting down traveling like what can I do here that could further me you know because like it's um I think we both read that book about atomic habits and it's sort of like one minute here one minute each day of like your feet will just really get you somewhere in a few yeah, months yeah for sure yeah um, there's so many minutes so many hours in a day that you can fit a lot yeah sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but Miko um thank you so much it's been oh, thank you. nice to uh, meet you for one and mm -hmm. also just hear um, about your journey and talk to you in detail because obviously you know I've watched as well your career throughout the since you were so young and it's just really nice to hear all about it and also um, you know your inner strength to you know with your huge following you know that strength to say actually I'm not happy I want to do something mm -hmm. else and mm -hmm. and be doing something extremely difficult and um, going for that as well and I'm sure you're going to do amazingly well and you're going to help so many people and um it's been a huge honor to have you on the podcast today so thank you oh, so no thank you so much Isabella for having me it's it's an honor to you know meet you too like I looked up to you a lot as well growing up and um and yeah thank you so much for thinking of me um on your podcast um yeah thank you so much thank you Miko Thank you so much for watching everyone this episode of A Dancer's Mindset with Miko. I think that was just so inspiring to talk with her and I've always, you know, looked up to her since I was young. So it was really amazing to speak with her. She shows so much inner strength to achieve so much in her life as a ballerina, but also have that strength to say, do you know what? So I need something different in my life. This isn't what my destiny is. I want to do something else. And despite her social status, on all the social medias and everything have the strength to decide and to publicly say do you know what I'm going to do something else and do just as well if not better so guys thank you so much for watching and don't forget to subscribe like and share and I'll see you guys soon bye for now